possible that we could have other things on our mind, other things that we're contemplating about. Maybe we're thinking about where where we might go to eat after services. Maybe we're thinking about how could the cats lose so badly to Florida. Whatever it is we're thinking about, let's put those things out of our mind and spend the next couple of, of, of minutes uh, delving into God's Word and focusing on the truths that we take from it. In Psalm chapter 100, we read just a, a few short verses of, of thanksgiving to God. It says in verse 1, Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name for the Lord is good and His loving kindness is everlasting and His faithfulness to all generations. This is a psalm of thanksgiving, but it's very interesting to me what is being thank, what the author is being thankful for. In verse two, we see one of the primary points of this sermon or of this uh, psalm is the ability to serve the Lord and to do so with the right attitude to serve the Lord with gladness. We've been talking along the same vein of thought for a while now when we talk about our worship together and the congregational worship that we partake in. And how it is the, the attitudes that we are to have behind it, especially when it comes to things such as our singing. Obviously, our singing is something that we do without the accompaniment of instrumental music, but it's so much more than, the, than just being described as without instrumental music. Our singing is to be singing with, with, uh, with the idea of worship involved, with the idea of showing God His worth, and the idea of lifting one another up. And that is something that we remember both as those who are are following along in the song and those who are leading the song. We also talked about the Lord's Supper and how the Lord's Supper is a memorial and a proclamation and a, a time of communion and fellowship. And so as we partake of the Lord's Supper, we do so in a manner reflecting upon both the death of Christ and also the coming return of Christ, reflecting on who it is that we are communing with, the blood of Christ and also his body, the church. And so we do so as that as we partake, but also as those who preside over the Lord's Supper. We are going to give special attention to this opportunity that we have been given to come together and remember these things. I want to take a step back from all that, though. This morning, I want to go just a little bit different direction. We're going to have more to say about the congregational worship that we, that we have. But I want to step back a little bit and look at another opportunity in which we have to serve the Lord, and maybe one that we don't oftentimes think of as an opportunity to serve. What I want to speak about this morning is I want to speak about our Bible classes that we have. Those Bible classes are an opportunity to serve that, that we find in almost all congregations, and they're an opportunity that is not always fully utilized. But proper utilization of our Bible classes can contribute so much towards serving the Lord with gladness and serving the Lord in other areas as well. I appreciate what Alan said before, before we led that last song. We're going to talk about how we can be, be better Christians. We're going to talk about how we can better teach others. And our Bible classes give us an excellent opportunity to learn those things. To begin, let's summarize a little bit the role of the Bible class. One thing that we want to notice is it provides opportunities in both the, in ways that are provided by a local congregation Almost all, almost all churches offer a class, usually for both children and adults. We do that here, offering a class for our young children and our older children alike in a time that we gather together as the adults of this congregation to study. And oftentimes these classes are offered on the Sunday morning 
and in some sort of midweek service. And again, for us, we do that every Sunday morning and on Wednesday night. But that's not the only time that Bible classes are offered. We also have the opportunities for a Bible class to be offered by individuals. Maybe a Bible class can occur in someone's home, uh, the home of a Christian, or as we've been doing on the first Sunday or first Saturday of every month at a, at a local place. We're meeting at Jay's place to, to have just a, a period of time to read God's Word and to study it together. Maybe these are some things that you've been thinking about that you would like to do, to have a Bible class or a, a period of study in your home with others. These are great opportunities for us to serve one another and to serve the Lord and to better prepare one another in our service to the Lord. We need to look for these opportunities and to look for our ways to participate in them. But we also need to look at the benefits of these Bible classes. What are some things that go on when we gather together to study God's Word? And obviously one of the things is that that study of God's Word is done so in a very deep fashion. Uh, oftentimes our, our Bible studies are going to be more than just the time where we sit down and skim over God's Word. But rather we're going to look at it in many different ways. Sometimes we look at it textual. We're doing that right now in the book of Hebrews. Studying through the book of Hebrews in a verse-by-verse verse sort of method. Studying through it chapter-by-chapter. Chapter. Other times we might do it in a topical sense. We've done that too in the past where we look at many different topics that, it, that affect the Christian and how we can grow from those. Maybe we would look at things such as alcohol use. Or maybe look at marriage. Or maybe look at how faith can be increased in us. These are topical uh, studies. We also see that Bible classes offer a benefit to being more than just a deeper study of God's Word. They're also a time where questions can be asked and questions can be studied because our classes are less formal than, than what we have as we gather together as the church for our worship service. And like they, our classes allow for both questions and answers to be given. When the whole church is gathered together, we simply don't have the same amount of flexibility. Turn over to 1 Corinthians for a moment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and 14 and 15 speak so much, or excuse me, 12, 13 and 14. Chapters 12, 13 and 14 speak so much about the spiritual gifts that have been given to the church in the first century. And, and especially in Corinth, we get a little snapshot of what was going on in, in Corinth. And we know that there were those that were given the gift of prophecy, and there were those that were given the, the gift of interpretation, but there was no order. There was so much chaos going on in their, in their uh, services. And they are told to, to remove that chaos, but especially in verse, four, uh, verse 34 and 35 of chapter 14, we read that the women are to keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but are to subject themselves just as the law also says. If they desire to learn anything, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is improper for a woman to speak in church. Now we've looked at these verses before. We know that, this, that what is not being talked about here is that when women come in those doors, they are to just zip their lips and be utterly silent. We know that is not the case. But these women that he's talking about here were especially uh, known to be the women um, or the wives of, of the husbands that had these, these gifts. And there was a lot of chaos going on. And that was to not to be the case in the services. The services were gathered together in a much more formal and less flexible setting. But the Bible class gives us that opportunity to share with one another our questions, and not just our questions, to share with one another our knowledge as well. One of the things I'm most thankful for 
whenever we gather together to study God's word is the comments that are made and the, the, the sharing of somebody else's knowledge on a given subject. Because when I come up here and I'm preaching, and when any preacher is, is allowed to speak, we are sharing our knowledge, what we have, what we have studied, what we have uh, prepared um, for, for that opportunity. But comments in class allow for the whole class to share their knowledge, for a communal growth and a communal conversation to begin. Not only do we see that there's the opportunity for questions to be asked, there's opportunity for comments to be made, but we also see that there is an opportunity for accelerated spiritual growth. We can get on a fast track, if you will, by utilizing our class periods. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2 uh, is talking about the, 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 the pure milk of the word. It says in verse 2, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Spiritual growth is related. It cannot be separated from one's knowledge of the word. And so therefore, the more often that you study, and the more time that you spend studying, the faster you will grow. And again, we're not talking about just skimming over the words. Committing scripture to memory is excellent. It is a wonderful practice to be in. But we're talking about something deeper than just knowing what the Bible says. We're talking about studying with the intent to apply. Studying with the intent to grow from our studies. And when we will approach it in that manner, Bible study can put us on an accelerated rate of growth. Another thing we find is that we enjoy a fellowship when we study with other Christians. Bible classes, classes Bible classes may be informal, more informal than the worship service, and they, but they also allow for mutual sharing of comments, and oftentimes these comments from other students can be just as, if not more, edifying than those of the teacher, to learn what someone else has, has studied in this time. And that's why it is so helpful to have different sets of eyes looking at a verse. That is why we encourage, whenever we separate, to go home and to study what we're going to be looking at in the next class period. Because I may bring back what I, what I have learned and what I have studied from this, but maybe I didn't look at all the aspects of that verse. Maybe I didn't completely see all the context of it, and someone else has noticed that and can add that to the discussion. And in doing so, we are jointly sharing in this study. We are growing closer together. And we are also growing up. We are growing in such a way as encouraging one another as Christians. And we do that just simply by our presence. Just by being together to study God's word. And especially by participating in the study. We encourage one another. But we have to understand if that is true. If there is the truth to being together and studying God's word together and being encouraging to one another, then there is also a truth in that in our absence, we aren't doing that. In our absence, we can discourage. And that can be seen so easily if we even consider on a Wednesday night. On a Wednesday night when our numbers are different, we have excellent classes, but it can be a little discouraging to see such a difference in numbers. Participation and presence can go a long ways into growing a congregation into a, a, a vibrant and flourishing congregation because it builds us up. It helps stoke that fire in our hearts to say, I'm not alone. I'm working with brothers and sisters who are con con 
convinced that they need to be here working with me. And that can be such a huge part of helping us be stronger in the Lord. But despite all these benefits, is oftentimes that we fail to recognize just how beneficial Bible classes are. A way that we oftentimes say that is, you know, I'm just not getting much out of Bible class. It's a reason why a lot of people leave congregations. Because I wasn't getting what I expected to get out of it. But instead of considering where we will go, maybe we ought to consider a little bit about what we can do to help, get our, get, to help ourselves get more out of the Bible classes. To do that, I want to offer some suggestions. One of the first suggestions, and maybe the most obvious and, uh, uh, suggestion that we, can, uh, that we can come up with is that we must attend the Bible studies. Whether they be a study together as a congregation on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday afternoon, or whether they be in a home study or in a, in a public place, we are not going to get anything out of those Bible studies. We are not going to get any growth, and we are not going to get any encouragement unless we make an effort to be there, to attend regularly and to attend truly for the benefit of the study. Not just to come because someone has told us we have to be there. Not just to come because someone has made us feel guilty for not being there. That does no benefit for us and won't serve any benefit for anybody else. But rather to understand the importance of us being there for the group and the importance of us being there for ourselves and for our learning. Remembering that the rate of our spiritual growth is directly linked to the rate and the amount of study that we do. So we should ask ourselves this question. When we, want to, when we start to realize that I'm not getting what I wish I was getting maybe out of our Bible classes, do I make it a habit to attend Bible classes regularly? Another question we should ask ourselves is what am I doing to prepare myself for Bible classes? Again, we get out of something what we put into it. Preparing by studying the lesson ahead of time. Giving a little bit of thought to what we're going to talk about and what we're going to study. Maybe even obtaining some aids. And, and you know, I, I've, I've heard it said, and I think it's absolutely true, the best commentary to the Bible is the Bible. The Bible complements itself so well. We even talked a little bit about that this morning in class, uh, the, how beautiful it is the way the Bible harmonizes and complements itself. But yet there are still an abundance of aids that we can use to help us prepare for what we're going to study. From commentaries by other men to, to concordances to Bible dictionaries, and all of these things can be had for free. It can be found online. If it's something you would like to know more about, I, I would be happy to help you learn more about how to, how to find those and about how to use them. But we should ask ourselves, do we come prepared for a Bible class? Another question we might ask ourselves is, do we contribute? Do we contribute to the overall value of a Bible class? One way we do that is obviously by sharing the, the fruits of our preparation. As I prepared for this Bible class and I, I learned some things and I wanted to share that with the group. That was done today and it was very beneficial. We can, also, we can also contribute simply by being a volunteer. A volunteer to read, a volunteer to, to even, if it were necessary, pass out information. But to be a part of and to join in the work that is done there. Another way that we can contribute is by giving feedback. Any good teacher, any teacher that is desiring to grow would welcome feedback. To find out that the message that they are trying to get across is getting across, and to find out where they need to grow in, uh, maybe in, in ways that they're not doing a great job, to learn how they can do better. 
We can contribute to the Bible class in such ways. Another way that we can get more of our Bible class is a way that oftentimes seems the scariest to us. One of the best ways to learn a subject is to teach that subject. You will likely, you will likely get more out of a class that you teach than anyone else in the class. I have learned this firsthand, most vividly, in teaching the young kids' class downstairs. In teaching those children, I learned so much. And not even just about what we were studying. But to see the, the way that they learn and the way that they take these, these ideas and they can commit them to their hearts, uh, to understanding what God wants them to do, was such a huge teaching moment for me. And so if we will, if we will set, set out to try and make that a goal for ourselves, that I would like at some point to teach, whether it be an adult class or whether it be a children's class, I guarantee you that you will grow from that, from that attempt. Whether or not the class goes well or not, you will grow. And by necessity, you will attend and you will prepare and you will contribute. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, Paul gives this admonition to Timothy. He says, take the things that I have taught you and teach them to other men so that they can teach others as well. Are we willing to teach others so that we and they both might benefit? Maybe we look at that and we say, you know what, I would like to, but I'm not sure if I'm ready for that step. That's, that's a really big step for me, and that, that's, that's a little scary. That is perfectly normal. So maybe instead of committing ourselves to teaching, we should commit ourselves to assisting. To find someone who is teaching and say, I want to help out with that. Maybe I, if it's one of the children's classes, I will set in with you and I will be your teacher's aide. If you need something done, I will do it. And I will just sit and watch how you teach and learn the way from the way you teach to look at you as a mentor and to observe. The same thing can be done in the adult class. We can tag team a, a, a quarter, taking turns. And, and if it's a, maybe something that, that you are interested in teaching but you feel like it wouldn't fill a whole quarter, work together with somebody else that we can work work up a way in which we can both, or maybe a group of us, as we have done in the past with several of us, spend some time teaching in that quarter. Again, we would ask ourselves this question. If I want to get more out of my study and out of the Bible class that we have, am I willing to take the steps to, be, to develop myself a teacher, no matter how small those steps may be? Then the last thing that I want to bring up, and and. In my opinion, while maybe not the most obvious, definitely the most, the most important. One of the best things we can do to get the most out of our studies is we can commit ourselves to prayer. Prayer at the beginning of our studies, prayer during our studies, and prayer after our studies can be very beneficial to growing from those studies. Turn over to Psalm chapter 119 and verse 18. In Psalm 119 and verse 18, we see an example of maybe some words that we could pray before we begin a study. We see the, uh, the mind of the psalmist here when he says, Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. It would do us well to pray for guidance that is completely scriptural, completely within 
the, the realms of what God is willing to do for us to, to help us to learn. The fact is, we can learn what is being read in God, uh, as written in God's word. We can learn God's will. Over in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3, it, we, we see, I don't want to try and quote it for fear, I may mess it up. Paul talking to the Ephesians, telling them that they absolutely can. I'm sorry, it is verse, uh, verse 3 and verse 4. That they can understand. He says that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief. But referring to this, that is to that mystery, when you read, you can understand my insights into the mystery of Christ. We have everything we need to understand. But we do so well to recognize that we want God's guidance as we read His Word. And so beginning our studies with a prayer such as what's seen in verse 18 of Psalm 119 is very wise. Also, we continue down through Psalm 119. We see, actually back a little bit, verses 5 and 6. We read, we read here, it says, Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. As we ask God for, uh, for understanding with our prayer, we also ask Him to help us to model the things that we are learning and, and to, to apply them to our ways, to, to His statutes would be, would be a, a way for us, a, a path for us, something that we would submit ourselves to. So sometimes we consider that when we, we say a prayer and we say, not only do we want you to open our eyes, Lord, but open our hearts to accepting, to, to not only being having the word revealed to us, but having the word imprinted and applied in our lives and in our hearts. And maybe we could end a study with words such as what is found in, in verses 10 through 11 of the same chapter. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Prayer. Prayer puts one into the proper frame of mind. It is by far one of the greatest things we can do to prepare ourselves and to get more out of our Bible studies. People who are actively involved in Bible class. People who are actively involved in Bible studies learn the Word of God much faster, benefit from the Word of God much sooner, and contribute to the health and the growth of a church much more. But the opposite can be said of those who, who, who refuse to attend. Those who place maybe something else into a higher priority. What kind of knowledge do we have of God's Word? What kind of struggles do we have in our spiritual life? What kind of encouragement are we giving to our brothers and sisters? We need to ask ourselves these questions, and we need to ask ourselves, could this be tied to the way that we contribute in our studies together? I believe very strongly, very strongly in the benefit and the purpose of Bible studies and in participating in our Bible classes. And I don't preach this sermon to step on toes. And as I told you when I first came here, that there would be times when I stepped on toes. But to know full well that every time I step on one of yours, I've stepped on mine five or six times as well. But I know this is an important issue for our congregation. It is an important issue for us individually as we grow. You know, one thing that we talked about lately in our adult Bible classes, we've studied through Hebrews. 
We talked about holding fast to our assurance, holding fast to our confession. That, that, that assurance and that confidence that we had when we first came to Christ. When we believed that he was the son of God, when we believed that he had came to this earth and he died to be sacrificed for sins that we committed and we realized the state that we were in because of our sin. And we can't lie to ourselves. We know that we have sinned. And we know that the only way to receive eternal life is through the gift that God gives in His Son. A gift of grace and a gift of mercy and a gift that we receive when we submit to Him. And we submit to Him fully. We submit to Him through confession. We submit to Him through repentance. And we submit to Him through baptism for the remission of our sins. This morning, I would encourage you, have you made that, has you, that submission to God? If you have not, this is a wonderful opportunity for you to do so. But maybe you already have. Most likely you've already made that submission. Ask yourselves, am I holding fast to that assurance? To, that, to where I was on that day when I made that commitment and I was confident of where I stood before the eyes of God and where Jesus stood in between us as my high priest. Am I still confident of that today? If there is anything that we can do to assist you with that this morning, to help you to grow, to help you to come to God, I encourage you to make it known now. Come forward as we stand and as we sing.